Okay, while you are standing, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. And that's the sermon text this morning. And we will be looking at the first 11 verses. So let me read that for you as we are standing and then we'll sit down afterwards. Philippians chapter 2. If you are using the blue Bible that is provided by the church, it's found on page 1248. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Please be seated. This morning's sermon has a title from experiences, experiencing to exhibiting. That's the way that I have titled this sermon this morning. So let me begin by explaining these two words, experiencing and exhibiting. And I want to do that by telling you some stories. Some of you know I have a background in chemistry. I went all the way to, the, to get the highest degree possible, which is a PhD in chemistry. But you may not know how I got interested in chemistry. It was ninth grade, back in Sri Lanka. I had a teacher. And he not only taught very well, but every time there was an exam, and when we got something right... The full, full page had a check mark. And as you see right there, the full page had a big check mark. And that big check mark encouraged me so much and had an impact on me so much. I said to myself, I actually want to study chemistry. In fact, he has since passed away. But I met his son recently, last month in Toronto, Canada, 
where we ended up being in one of the memorial services of one of our closest friends and actually told that story to his son. And he said to me, I never realized how a simple check mark could have such an impact on someone. So fast forward several years down the road, I became a professor myself. And every time I had an exam, I made sure that I gave my students a big check mark that covered the entire page. You will never know. So having experienced the benefit of a big check mark that occupied the whole page, I exhibited the same thing, hoping that others would benefit in the same way that I benefited. Then some of you don't know why I became an organic chemist. There were, there were several options in chemistry, but I said to myself, I want to be an organic chemist and nothing else. And I went to college. There was one professor, I mean, he just, an organic chemistry professor, he blew me away in the way that he taught. In fact, he even came to the lectures without notes. And I said to myself, I want to be like him. You know, that's, so I experienced something. You know what? I became a professor. After the first year, I started to go to the, into the lecture room without notes. And I taught the same way that he taught. I spoke, the, tried to speak the same way that he spoke. And having experienced and benefited by it, I exhibited the same qualities. And I didn't want to consider anything else except organic chemistry. I once had a friend from my former church who was an international student. She was in a foreign exchange. Uh, in a Nowadays, they are doing college uh, exchange, you know, foreign exchanges as well. So she went to Paris and for, there for a year, and she was so lonely for a while. She missed her home. She missed her friends. She missed her parents. And she missed her siblings. Until one day at church, somebody reached out to her and brought her into an international student ministry. It made all the difference for her. Having experienced the benefit of, be, of having an international student ministry at church, she returned, and she's actually a medical doctor, and she ended up worshiping in our church, and she became the leader for international student ministry at our church. Having experienced, she chose to exhibit that. Right here in our church, some of you know Lou Mencia. Lou, if you're here, I sent you a text asking you permission, but I haven't seen this text, so I'm going with it anyways. <laughs> His wife died of colon cancer at the age of 46. And Lou writes that 
he said to himself, I could care for my, my wife myself during her illness. But he couldn't. She was so sick that he had to be at the hospital all the time to give her IVs and pills and oxygen and all of those different things. And, and he basically, even, even to run out and get some grocery for himself, he had to find help from somebody else and so on. And, for the, and after his wife's death, he said to himself, boy, I don't want any other spouse to go through what I had gone through as I cared for my sick and dying wife. Therefore, he decided to start in town here what is called the Maria Mencia Cancer Caregiving Support Network. You see, when you experience something that is so good or it's sometimes so impactful in your life that you are naturally drawn or driven to exhibit that. Right? And it is a similar kind of idea that we see in the scripture verses that I read to you this morning. That in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 and 11, the idea is very similar. First, experience it. And if it is good and impactful and you are transformed by it, then try to exhibit it. That's why I have titled this sermon, From Ex Experiencing to Exhibiting It. Now, let me prove that to you from these verses. For example, let's begin with verses 1 and 2. This is what we find. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now that's a mouthful. So I like to put that in some kind of an orderly fashion. So the next slide you will see how I have done that. I'm going to be using a laser pointer, but I only have one, so I'm going to use it on this screen, but you can hopefully follow along. This is how the sentence flows. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit. And there is what Paul's command is. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. That's the full sentence, the two sentences that I read to you today. Now, it turns out, in the Greek language, the word that is used for if, which I have highlighted in yellow, could also translate it as sins. In other words, this idea of so if there is any encouragement means if you really have it. Maybe you have it, maybe you don't. But the actual Greek language doesn't communicate that. It says, no, it's, it's kind of a rhetorical question, you know. No, you have it. 
So since, so since you, there is encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, you all, as, as believers in Christ, Philippians, you have it already. You have experienced it. Therefore, now complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Now, here's the connection. One of the roles, let's start from the bottom. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity within the body of Christ. So participation in the Spirit corresponds to being in full accord and of one mind. Now, comfort from love, it doesn't say God there. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. So comfort from God's love, and you have the same love. Exhibit the same love. Top one, encouragement in Christ. Therefore, corresponds to being of the same mind. What you find here is actually the Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are represented by, representative this, this one. So if you have experienced the Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go ahead and exhibit the same thing that you have experienced. Now let's go to the next slide. Have this one mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Remember, in the, in the, in the, in the sentence that we had, is if there's any encouragement in Christ, then complete my joy by being of the same mind. That same mind idea corresponds to Jesus Christ. Among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then what is interesting is, if you have a good Bible, you will see on the footnote, it gives the impression that have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's as if we have it through Christ Jesus. But on the footnote it says, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we are talking about the mind of Christ, which is Christ, and through Christ we get it. Okay? Now put, let me put it all together in the next slide. And so here it is. So if... There is any encouragement. That is, you you, since you have encouragement from Christ, since you have comfort from love, since you have participation of the Spirit, in other words, if you have experienced all of that that comes from the Trinitarian God, then exhibit it by being of the same mind, same mind of Christ, having the same love of the Father, being of one full accord and one mind that is provided by the Spirit. All of this is mentioned in the context of Christian unity. You see it there. Being in full accord and of one mind. Being of the same mind. All of this is mentioned in the context of unity in the Philippian church and therefore Christian unity within believers. And for that reason, I propose that here is the main idea of Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Christian unity 
requires that we first experience and then exhibit the same A, the love of the Father. B, mind of the Son, Jesus Christ. And C, fellowship and purpose of the Spirit. Now, at this point, the apostle has, now, he has, he has given us the idea, okay, this, I, what, Philippians, I want you to be united. You have experienced God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the unity that exists within them. Now, I would like you to go and exhibit that yourselves, among yourselves, in your churches, Exhibit the same love of the Father, mind of the Son, Jesus Christ, the fellowship and purposes of the Holy Spirit. He could have chosen any one of them to provide an example, solid example. He could have chosen the love of the Father. He could have chosen the fellowship and purposes of the Holy Spirit. But he chose the mind of the Son, Jesus Christ, as the example. And that's, that's what you find in the rest of the verses. So let's take a look at that, experiencing the mind of Christ. Verses 5 through 8. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, or which is also in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Again, these, these sentences are very you know, long and you know, mouthful to read them, so I always like to put them in pictorial forms. And here's the pictorial representation of those verses that I have read to you. It's a little bit crowded, so let me walk you through it. It begins, Jesus, he was in the form of God. That's the divine form that you see in yellow. Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, which I have it in the arrow, being born in the likeness of men, that's the human form. And being found in the human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, so you have it in the arrow, humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. I'm calling it a redemptive posture. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To redeem the sinners. As a substitute for their sins on the cross. So that's the whole picture here. Divine form, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He came as a human being. And then he, from there he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, to the death on the cross, in order to redeem humanity. That's what I read. Now, there are several things that are important. Now, I'm going to stay on this slide for a long time. 
The question always arises, what, does it, what, what did it mean for Jesus to empty himself? Did he give up his divinity? The answer is no. Because we say Jesus was fully God, fully man. So he did not give up his divinity. So what, what exactly did he empty himself from? And it says right there, by taking the form of a servant. That's how he emptied himself. He did not give up his divinity. He, of course, was in heaven and came down to earth, sure. That happened. But as in, the, in, the, in the form that he existed in this world, he was fully God, fully man. For example, he was fully God because, you know, demons obeyed him and fled as, they, as he cast them out. He knew what people were thinking in their hearts and minds even before they spoke another word. For example, he was in the, in the, in the home of Simon the leper and there was a woman came in and broke the alabaster bar and put the perfume at his feet and all of those different things. And Simon was thinking, what a waste. But he did not verbalize it. But Jesus knew it. And then he told the story to engage Simon the leper in a conversation. There was a time that the 12 disciples at the Last Supper, they were together. Judas Iscariot never verbalized that he was going to betray Jesus. But Jesus knew. He told Judas Iscariot. However, by taking the form of a servant, that's how he emptied himself. So for example, Jesus himself said, the son of, son of man came not to be served, but to serve. In fact, the word translated ser servant is actually slave, doulos. And taking the form of a slave, that's why he washed the feet of the disciples. That's why he touched the lepers. That's why he healed the sick and cared for them, had compassion on them. So the point there I'm trying to make is that Jesus emptied himself all right, but we need to be careful what is that he emptied himself from. In fact, one commentator said it's, it is not of what he emptied himself from, but it emptied himself into what? He emptied himself into the form of a servant, the form of a human being, without giving up his divinity. Very important. Now, similarly, the redemptive posture, now he's a human being, fully God, fully man, and it says right there, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Again, remember this, that, you know, the, according to the Bible, the triune God, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, had planned from eternity past that 
They will redeem, any of the human beings will sin, and they will redeem the human beings by sending the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, into the world to take on the human form, and he will, as a fully God and fully man, as a perfect substitute for our sins, will die on the cross and rise again to new life and be ascended to the... They had planned all of this. So here's Jesus who had come into the world as a human being, And the question is whether to go through with that and die on the cross. You see, the Bible says that the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was deeply distressed and troubled. His sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. God the Father actually had to send an angel from heaven to strengthen him. Come on, go through with it. And the Bible also says in great agony, Jesus prayed fervently, requesting the same thing three times from the Father. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Humanity of Jesus in this play. But then he goes on to say, yet not what I will, but what you That's what becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death of cross. Now think about this. What if the time had come, the Trinity, Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're having a great time in heaven, and the Father turns to the Son and says, Son, it's time for you to take the human form and go down to earth. What if the son said, no, I'm not going to do it. I cannot do it. It's just too costly. Would there be any unity within the Trinity? Or he had come into the human form. Now, again, Jesus always prays you know, to the father and all of that. And the father says, son, it is time to go and die on the cross. What if Jesus said, no, it's just too hard. I, I cannot do this. Would there be unity within the body of Christ? You see, in Hinduism, among whom I grew up, gods, there are multiple gods in Hinduism, they fight with one another. for power and territory and all of those different things. That's not our triune God. So the mind of Christ, as it's described in this picture, is so important for the unity within the, within the triune God and also for God to accomplish His purposes to redeem the fallen Humanity. Right? So, as believers, we should be able to say that we have experienced this. 
Unbelievers haven't. But believers have experienced the benefit of this. They have been transformed by it. And if we truly have, then we need to exhibit it. And that's what Paul says in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now let's go back to the picture that I put previously again. Now I have included ours exhibiting, we exhibiting that in yellow. Remember, when Jesus came from the form of a divine form to human form, he did not give up his divinity. He was fully God and fully man. So, if, if Christ has given us an identity, if Christ has given us ambition, if Christ has given us significance, the point here is, when we talk about others better than us, or you know, count uh, 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 others more significant than others, doesn't mean somehow we give up the significance, the ambition, the, the identity that the, the triune God had given us. The idea here is that while maintaining our significance, our identity, our God-given ambition, how do we consider others significant? That's the point. And secondly, after that, Paul talks about in humility, you know, not only pursue your interests, but pursue other interests. In other words, when he says that, he's not, te he's not telling us, Throw away your interests in order to pursue other people's interests. No. You not only pursue your interests, continue to pursue your interests, but also pursue other people's interests. That's the word of God. That's what we need to obey. And that's how the whole thing fits in. So we need to experience the mind of Christ and then try to find a way, according to this map, exhibit the same mind of Christ. And when we do that, we fulfill God's will, God's plans for humanity. And just as the Trinity maintained unity because of the mind of Christ, we also get to maintain unity within the body of Christ. You know, as I, as I thought about this, again, now it's, it's crying out for an illustration. I wrote about 10 of them. And obviously, we won't have the time to do this. But give you a, few, a, a couple of them. It is told, you know, you know one day there was a there, there was plane for flying, flying from the Middle East to the United States, bringing soldiers from Iraq for a two-week break. And as they were coming in, suddenly, all of those people in the first class stood up and said, they gave up their seats so the soldiers should, could sit in the first class and they went to the back seat of the coach. 
Now, did they reach the United States, those people who gave up, gave, gave up their seats? Of course they did. They were on the coach. A little bit inconvenienced, but they did. But at the same time, they were able to honor the soldiers and they were able to pursue their interests. Now, those of you who are sports, uh, sports fans, how about this offensive lineman in, in football? I mean, they are the ones making it possible for the running back to run. They are the ones who are protecting the quarterback so that the quarterback would stand back and throw the football. Who gets the glory? The quarterback, the running back. But those two guys know what the offensive linemen did. Right? That's the way the unity is maintained within a football team. How about baseball? In fact, this is a true story. There was a pitcher who was pitching. He pitched seven innings, no hitter, score was 0-0, zero, zero, but his pitch count was over 100. And he was tired. So the manager pulled him and put somebody else. And they kept the score zero for the next two innings. But the team of this guy who pitched over 100 pitches and kept the score zero ended up scoring five runs in the next two innings. But the guy who kept this team, for, the other team scoreless for seven innings, did not get the win. You know why? Because when he left, the score was zero, zero. It is putting the interest of the team ahead of my own. And there are many more that I could tell about, but the point is this. Christian unity requires that we first experience and then exhibit, in this particular case, the mind of the Son, Jesus Christ, and also the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But this descending it's really scary. But our trust in God allows us to do that and then let God raise us up. And that's how the passage in, in, ends, descending into the greatness. You know, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So exhibit the mind of Christ and let God exalt you. In fact, we were discussing that as a, pastor, not as a whole staff last week, and Pastor Jeff said this. So I'm calling it wisdom from Pastor Jeff. Our identity, that is who we are in Christ, give us, gives us incredible freedom. Even if that means descending and letting the triune God exalt us in the way that he pleases. And that's what it's all about. Be confident of your identity in Christ. 
Exhibit the mind of Christ. And leave the rest in God's hands. Let him exalt you in the way that he pleases, whenever, wherever, however. And in that way, we can maintain the unity within the body of Christ and also fulfill God's will and God's plan for humanity. That's the call to us today. From experiencing to exhibiting. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the example through your Son, Jesus Christ. Our only prayer is that you will help us to experience it each and every day and to exhibit it in such a way when you return that you will find your church in unity for your namesake and for your glory. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.